0: Good evening, everyone. I am Vlad Hizarano. I am the final uh, music director candidate for your incredible Rockford Symphony. Uh, first of all, can, can everybody hear me? We're all good? A- excellent, excellent. Well, first thing first, let me just say how incredibly happy I am that we get to do this live, in, in person, face-to-face. I mean, I love Zoom as much as the next guy, but... There's really nothing like seeing your smiling faces out there, so I'm really glad things are coming back to normal a bit. So we have about a half hour together, and I thought that uh, uh, since we have this time together, I would tell you a little bit about the pieces you're going to hear tonight, why they're the best pieces in the world, in my, in my opinion. And actually, I really, really love whenever I have a chance to do a talk like this because as, as musicians... We always get to show how much we love music through our performance, but hardly, we hardly ever get to talk about it. We hardly ever get to tell, to tell people why is it that this music is so uh, important to us, so, so special. And that, that brings us then to the concert for the evening, from the, from the mothership to the underworld. Now I know you're thinking, what on earth is that? Well, not on earth. First of all, the mothership. So this is, this is essentially going to be a musical journey which, which begins in outer space, brings us down to Earth, takes us all the way to the underworld, and brings us back to Earth. So that's what you get for the price of one ticket at the Rockford Symphony. You get an absolute trip. It's really, really worth it. So where do we begin? We begin on the mothership. This piece... Uh, by um, Mason Bates is... It was an incredible find, actually, for me. I, I didn't plan in, in any way to locate this piece, but I, but I was on YouTube one day, as I often am. I was, I was trying to find some new works, some, some new pieces that I'd like to conduct. And here I see the YouTube symphony, commissioned to work in 2011, and it's about a spaceship that comes down to Earth that makes contact... And it's called the, the Mothership. I said, you know what? That's a great beginning. That's, that's definitely something that I'd like to listen to. And a few minutes later, there I was in my headphones, just grooving away in my chair. My wife even walked in and went, what on earth are you doing? But that's, that's where I first uh, learned about this incredible piece. And Mason Bates is... He's kind of the master of introducing tech, uh, technology into music. So we even have a part for laptop in this piece. And I brought my own laptop for the occasion. I'm very proud. And what's, um, what's incredible about this piece for me is it's not just, it's not just incredibly fun. It's, it, it showcases the orchestra. So what, so what this uh, ship does is it essentially makes contact with, with Earth. And every time it makes contact with Earth through its two docking episodes, it it does so through one of the instruments. Actually, four of the instruments in the entire piece. And those are the clarinet, the marimba, which is like a xylophone of sorts, uh, your cellist over here, and your principal trumpet, all the way in the back. So those are going to be how we make contact with the the, uh, mothership. And... <clears throat> what can I say? This, this, this piece is an audience pleaser But it's so much more than that It infuses classical forms With uh, techno With jazz With blues It's, it's a piece quite, It's quite literally for the next generation And I'm really, really happy I get to share it with you all So from the mothership now, we make our way we edge our way closer and closer to earth and the question now is, how do we get from earth to the underworld? (laughs) This is the fun part and this is where the scores of Hans Zimmer and uh, James, uh, James Horner come in. So these two performers, performers and composers, are in my opinion I don't even know how to how to say enough. I've, uh, I've said this pretty much everywhere I've been to so far. Every, in about 500 years, we are going to look at this music the way that we talk about Beethoven nine and the Mozart Requiem. It's, it's uh, these men are absolute uh, geniuses. And, sp- and particularly in the case of uh, uh, Troy, which is the James Horner piece. This is uh, music from the film Troy. He actually wrote that piece in 10 days. He wasn't originally um, hired to do that uh, film, but the original composer, for whatever reason, once they heard his uh, score, they decided that it was a bit too... It was, let's say, a bit too old school, too old fashioned. It had those long uh, strings, uh, like sweeping string melodies, like in Ben-Hur or in uh, Spartacus. Those are incredible soundtracks, absolutely, and I I grew up on those films, and I love them. But this was 2004 at the time, and it was Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was in Troy. It's a very, very different kind of film. It's not Ben-Hur, it's not Charlton Heston. And they decided, you know what, we need a different kind of sound. We need something very, very different for this piece. And James Horner comes in and composes this incredible piece in 10 days. And you can't see right now, because the, uh, the players aren't on the stage, but we have an army. We have an orchestral army for this battle music. I think 20 percussion instruments, 8 horns, 4 trumpets, 4 trombones... I think it's in the same key. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the intro, <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, it's, this is the kind of music that we'll be talking about for sure in 500 years. Now, now uh, Gladiator, Hans Zimmer. This soundtrack uh, to Gladiator, which was just a few years before Troy, it set the tone in my opinion, for basically every film score that, that we've heard since. All of the superhero films, all of the, um, all of the let's say, the uh, historical epics, they, they all took their cue from this incredibly uh, unique way of orchestrating and, and, uh, and of using a voice, a chanted voice, which you're about to hear also with our soloist, and uh, yeah, this, this piece especially is something that I've wanted to conduct since before I wanted to be a conductor. Now, I started conducting around 2009, and this came out in 2000, so I fell in love with this music even before I knew I wanted to, con- to conduct it, and this is the very first time I get a chance to do so, right here at this, at this Rockford audience. So it's, it's an equal privilege for me as it's going to be a joy for you to listen to. So that, that was the battle music. That was the army. And where are we going as a result? We're going to the underworld. And who's going to take us there? Nobody but Tchaikovsky him, himself. Now this piece, uh, Francesca da Rimini, is... Uh, for me, I think it's probably my favorite piece of his. It was written uh, in 1876, if I'm not mistaken. And this was the same year that he went to, uh, to hear his first Ring Cycle uh, uh, by Wagner, the Ring Cycle. And he went there as a music critic. Now, he wasn't terribly impressed with everything that Wagner decided to do, but if there's one thing that he was impressed with, it was how Wagner used the brass. Now, uh, Tchaikovsky was, he was a young composer at this point. He, he still had his own style to develop, but this, this piece, I think, was the formative time for how he would use brass and how he would use uh, chromatic, uh, chromatic lines, let's say, chromatic harmonies throughout the rest of his career. And it's the story behind this piece is, let's say, it's less than inspiring, but it's incredibly, it's incredibly moving. So Francesca da Rimini is actually, it's actually based on a real person. She was a, a noble woman who lived in the 13th century, and uh, she lived in the town of Ravenna. And her father Guido the wanted to make peace with a neighboring city, uh, Rimini. And what do you do when you wanna make make peace, when you have two mafia families, essentially? You bring your children together. So there was Francesca, known as a beauty of her day, and she was paired with the son of of another duke from uh, Rimini, and his name was Giovanni, Giovanni Malatesta. How to describe him? (laughs) Let's just say he wasn't exactly James Bond. Very brave man, great guy, but not, not the most charming, not, not the most effective, let's say. Well, along the lines of Brad Pitt, his younger brother, Paolo, <laughs> was incredibly charming. He was the Brad Pitt of his day. He was also married at the time. Well, that didn't prevent him from uh, starting an affair with uh, Francesca. And when, and when Giovanni found out, he had them both killed. So this is a true story. Now, enters, enters the fiction. So Dante, the writer who lived about uh, like one or two generations after, but he knew the story very well. It was a very well-known story in Italy. He decided to include Francesca and Paolo as two characters in his uh, Inferno. So there they are in the second circle of hell, as we all are at some point, there they are in the second circle of hell, uh, Dante with his host, uh, Virgil, the Roman poet, and they get to the second circle of hell, and there is Francesca in a whirlwind, an eternal whirlwind, which you will hear very clearly in Tchaikovsky's music, uh, with Paolo. And let me just say, I don't want to tell you too much more because I'm going to talk a little bit uh, more about the piece when I get on stage later, but let me just say this is one of the most evocative pieces of music you will ever hear. And I'll, I'll get into more detail about that later, but it's one of my favorite works, and it will be earth-shattering. Now, from the underworld, we rise back up to earth to Giorgio Enescu. George Janescu, who is, in Romania, he's essentially a legend. And I always like to uh, uh, to tell this anecdote about him because it, it tells you the kind of musical mind that, that you're dealing with. So he was asked by a, a student of his, if we lost all of Beethoven's works, all of it, we don't have copies of anything anymore, could you reproduce it, or how much could you reproduce? And he said, oh, come on, I couldn't... I couldn't reproduce everything, that's insane. Just the symphonies, the string quartets, the string trios, the piano sonatas, the violin sonatas, and his opera. And he wasn't kidding. He could, he could quite literally write them down, note for note. And that's, that gives you a sense of the kind of musical mind that you're, that you're working with here. At that same level as um, Mozart, for example. And this piece, The Romanian Rhapsody... There were actually two, two Romanian rhapsodies in this set, which he wrote, so as a prodigy, he went to conservatory very, very young. He was already, I think, 18 when he graduated. When he graduated. So as a young composer now, he's trying to make his, his mark. And these two rhapsodies, Romanian rhapsodies, were some of the first compositions that he, that he put out there. And they made him a star. They made him an absolute star, which, was good and bad, of course. It, it put his name out there. That was a, that was a, great, a great thing for, for him. But at the same time, he wrote so much music throughout his life. Complicated symphonies, an opera, chamber music. All, all kinds of incredible works. And nobody wanted to hear them because they always asked for the Rhapsody. <laughs> so it was a bit of a poison chalice. But there's a reason that this Rhapsody is so incredibly moving. It's, it's based on uh, Romanian folk tunes. And it is, I always like to say this, this is the most, it's the most fun I've ever had on a podium in my life. Because the first time I, uh, uh, I did the piece in 2015, I actually did it with the orchestra, the Romanian orchestra, whose ancestors premiered the piece with Anescu. So they passed on all of the incredible information that you don't find in the score, you don't find anywhere. And uh, I, you know, I, I like to say it, I didn't get it from the horse's mouth, but within shouting distance of the, of the horse. Let's put it that way. So that is our uh, musical journey for the day, all, or for the night, from outer space to the underworld and back to earth. But you may notice, there is one piece that I skipped. And this piece is incredibly special, not just to me, but, but to the Rockford audience, because it is a world premiere It is the, you will be the very, very first audience to hear this piece. It was written especially for you. And who better to talk to about it than the composer and and the soloist themselves, Paul Dooley and Danielle Gonzalez. (laughs) There we go, we got some mics for you right, right here there okay. Alright So welcome both Thank you
1: Thank you for having us
0: Let's see, works? Good, good Okay I always love to ask And I'm sure the audience would love to know also when. <clears throat> so, so the way that this piece uh, came, came to be on the program Was I, I initially called Paul about another percussion concerto of his, which you wrote back in 2018, I think? 2017, yeah. In 2017, yeah. And I asked him, okay, I have this concert in in Rockford, I'd love to do your uh, percussion concerto. And he said, great, if you'd love to, absolutely. But here's a better idea. (laughs) What if I compose a brand new piece, a brand new percussion concerto, especially for Rockford? And uh, he also had a soloist in mind, which was Danielle. And of course, my answer to that was, yippee, please, let's, let's do it. So, what is, or let's say, what, what was the inspiration for the Soaring Souls? And what specifically about uh, Danielle really clicked for you with this concerto?
2: Yeah, well, it's great to be here. It's an honor to be here. And it was so fun to write this piece uh, for this concert. Uh, Danielle and I uh, met probably I know, seven, eight years ago and uh, been good friends ever since then from the University of Michigan where we were both in school. And uh, before I ever met Danielle, she had emailed me uh, telling me that she's going to be coming to Ann Arbor and she knew some of my music and wanted to, to play it. So she's a very, um, she's a go-getter and she's very excited about contemporary music and uh, collaboration, so I was really excited about that. And then she finally came to Ann Arbor and we, came, we became friends and everything. So I've always wanted to write a, a, a bigger special piece for her and this was a great opportunity to do that. And I was really inspired by uh, Vlad's theme for this concert, uh, the mothership and the underworld. I know the Mason Bates piece well. And um, I wasn't as familiar with the Tchaikovsky, uh, Francesca, mm-hmm. and I studied that piece to try to get inspiration and I, thought I, could, I got really inspired by the idea of writing a piece inspired by the same story. And uh, the story of Francesca and Paolo was depicted in art from the, you know, from the past what is it, 700 years yeah, or 600 yeah. years? Uh, there's many different artworks. Um, I got really inspired by those and I thought, what about a new contemporary take on the story? And I thought it would make a really interesting percussion concerto and I was picturing a very simple setup with the percussion Uh, we have the vibraphone in the first movement and the marimba in the second movement creating these very mysterious it's kind of a a dark um, passionate piece uh, following the story of these two lovers Um, so yeah I just had this sound in mind and I was really inspired by your theme and getting to uh, write this piece for this concert awesome 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 So, Danielle, actually,
0: you mentioned the other day when we were talking about this um, that it was kind of, that you were, in some ways, the the co-composer, in a way, of this piece. And, you know, because you worked on it together, essentially. And actually, my my first thought to that was uh, the Brahms Violin Concerto, how it was actually written by Brahms, obviously, but in coordination with with the performer, Joachim. And uh, my question is, actually, how, you know, because I've never, obviously, I've never composed, and I haven't performed, uh, someone else 's work myself, this still alive anyway, and um, yeah, so my question is kind of how does a performer what kind of effects can a performer have on the compositional process and, so, and I guess what effect did
1: you have on this one yeah uh, it 's a wonderful question, and again, thank you for having yeah. having me here and i 'm very excited to perform this piece um, what 's beautiful about composing a brand new work is that you start from scratch and being a percussionist, there is a whole world of sounds that you can go from. You know, we basically start with nothing and have to create something out of nothing. So um, essentially the collaboration starts with just like the instrumentation. And so that's a conversation of just what do you want to bring? You know, what do we want to set up to make it easy and accessible, um, make it travel friendly. Um, So that kind of started there. And then, you know, going forward too, there's a lot of things affects that you can do on different instruments, or things that you find that work, and things that you find that don't work. So yeah. a lot of it comes down to like receiving some music, taking a look at it, and and you know having that you know discussion of like, okay, this works out, but this doesn't. What about this instead? Yeah. So it makes it more um, personalized, you know, where it, it really feels uh, authentic, where it's it kind of naturally flows as a result. Yeah,
0: awesome, awesome. Well. Here's a more interesting question: What do you love about Rockford? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing that I loved: octane. Be- the best food I
2: think I've had in my life. <laughs> well, so far I've just been here a couple days, and I've had a couple wonderful hosts with Bill and Carolyn. I don't know, are, are you here. Uh, very, very generous hosts. And um, where did we eat last night? That was amazing. Tavern on Clark. That was that was delicious. So, uh, this is not a paid sponsorship, but it's if, always uh, about food, <laughs> isn't it? It's about food. Um But I have been here mostly in the dark. I, I came in the other <laughs> night, and uh, so. But it's been uh, wonderful. The orchestra has been fantastic. Uh, it's really, and, and the hall is gorgeous. The first time I walked in here, it was just stunned by the. Uh, you know, all the artwork everywhere, and uh, I think it works really well with your program, too. It took me a second just to stand here and glare out
0: the first time I was in here as well, so incredible hall, incredible hall. And you, Danielle?
1: Yeah, um, it was a nice, wonderful surprise here that they actually have um, the, the park right across the street um, with the Bounds, and actually it really resonated with me with the concert that we have here from Mothership to Underworld and just um, the ancient history that is right here, right in Rockford on these, you know, Native American grounds, these burial mounds. And so to be able to like kind of experience the culture here in Rockford and to be able to bring it to light and to life in a whole other realm, it's, it's quite beautiful. Awesome,
0: well, I think we're gonna have a great concert. I really do. So I'm actually really, really glad we have just about a few minutes left. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Does anybody have any uh, questions for any of us or all of us? We'd love to hear from you. Can't really see. Not one question? We've answered everything? You sure? Oh, yeah. So the question is, what, is uh, what was the first percussion instrument I'm assuming for Danielle that you started on?
1: I'm trying to think, um, I started with all of the in- so I started on snare drum and mallets, so I was already introduced right away to melodic instruments and rhythmic instruments, so um, when it came to creating this concerto, uh, you know, we started with the basics, you know, you gotta start from somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> and actually, uh, I don't talk about this a lot but uh, you know I started on piano that was my main instrument but my very very first instrument was percussion junior high band high school that was I was in the drum line marching
2: band the bass drum the tom-toms those were the days (laughs) actually same same here I I was a percussionist I say I was a percussionist but I started in third grade on a practice pad and yeah. Had a drum set, a Ludwig drum set, by fifth grade, and terrorized the neighborhood. <laughs> and um, eventually moved on to, ba- you know, band percussion. So, yeah, yeah. It, and also piano. You know, piano is basically a, a drum, a, an eighty-eight tone drum. So. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a percussion instrument, piano. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Any more questions? Uh, yes. yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, oh boy, well, well, the very young part is disputable, but yeah, so, um, so after I finished my undergrad in uh, piano performance, uh, I switched to music history for a while, and that's, so my, my passion at that point, uh, when I started my master's in musicology, was I loved the origin stories of things I love, you know, where did music come from ancient Greece, ancient Babylon there's still actually uh, fragments that we still have and I decided to focus my attention in, in musicology at the time on medieval musicology which is basically Gregorian chants uh, French early songs and uh, yes I absolutely am still very very uh, passionate about that stuff, I love to read, I love to read And as always, when you don't have to do it professionally, it's just so much more fun to read about it all the time. And that's, yeah, absolutely love it. (laughs) Anyone else? Was that a hand up there? A shrug? (laughs) shrug? Yeah, we'll take shrugs. (laughs) All right, well, it was... An absolute pleasure to speak to you all. I hope this uh, little introduction to the music is, uh, is going to be helpful. And uh, thank you all so much. I hope you enjoy the concert.